People have gotten into situations they believe that they've made the right decisions for their life. We excuse workaholism. Oh, that's okay. You can be a workaholic. So I can be a drug addict and abandon my family, abandon my responsibilities, not participate in life, and able to look down on me. I become a CEO, abandon my family, abandon, don't help anybody, and I'm fine. Oh, he, he's an upstanding member of the community. My guest on this next podcast is Andre Norman. I introduced him just before we kick off. And the key I learned from this message with, with Andre, for this 45-minute conversation, is a number fold. The first, first point is, actually, you can change yourself when you make a choice to do so. It's only when you make that choice, which we've heard so many times before, that you can do it. But the trouble is, we often don't ask for help. So if you need help, if you feel someone else can help you, actually, maybe now's the time to reach out. I'll say no more about Andre, because I think the next 45 minutes speaks louder than me talking. Enjoy the show. And when you need help, reach out to me. I'll put you in touch with Andre and we'll have a conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Sparks Bagnian podcast. I'm Phil Rhodes, your host. And of all the shows I've done over the time, I've been delighted and always impressed by the type of guests we have on this show. And today, my guest I met over a year ago in Dallas in the US at a Scaling Up conference. And I heard his message and I heard his message of hope and purpose. And I thought, I've got to find a way of reaching out to this guy to talk about what he talks about, because he has a message which I think lands with business owners and people alike all over the world. So today I'm delighted to welcome Andre Norman. Uh, Andre on his website, it says Andre is an ambassador of hope. And I want to explore a bit about what hope means, a bit about what purpose means, and talk about some of Andre's journey and how that can inspire people to really step up and change. Because I find what he had to say inspiring, and I'd love you to get that message as well. So Andre, welcome to the Sparks Wagenham podcast. Thank you for having me, brother. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And, uh, you know, Ambassador of Hope, you know, I, I heard you talk back, back in Dallas and, uh, and I thought, hey, this, this message lands clear. So why Ambassador of Hope? What does that mean? The, the Ambassador of Hope, the title and the name comes from what people really need. Um, growing up as a young child, myself, um, everything doesn't go your way. Everything's not perfect. But lacking hope is the thing that was really my problem. So there's tons of poor people in the world. There's tons of these types of people in the world, those types of people. But as long as a, a person has hope, then success is, is achievable. Yeah. Without hope, if you've given up, which is the opposite of hope, then everything just stops. Yeah. I, I love that because actually, as you say, if you've given up hope, and I'd love to explore a bit of your journey if it's appropriate. But, but one thing I know about you, you spend a lot of time in prison. Now you've spent a lot of time in prison helping people and giving people hope. So, so tell us about that, 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 the work you're doing now, because I think this is the inspirational piece for you to step back into that place to give other people hope. What does that mean? What is it all about? Well, I grew up in inner city and I got in trouble. I got off track, lost hope. I used to play the trumpet. Then I gave up my trumpet. I had no purpose. When I gave up my trumpet, I gave up my purpose. I was a musician. My, my friends thought it was stupid. So I listened to my friends and I went with them instead of going with my dream. And I had no purpose. When you have no purpose, you drift. And no purpose, no hope, no direction. So as a young Black man in America, there's very few places you go with that criteria. And it's called prison. So I made yeah. it to prison. And when I got to prison, I lived this whole life of a gangster, psychopath, tough guy. And I woke up one day and I realized I was a king of nowhere. I ran to jail, in theory, 
but I didn't run my life in reality. So I realized I had just given up and I was just going with the flow. I was the best at going with the flow. I was the biggest boat in the water going nowhere. Wow. I was in a river going nowhere and I was just the biggest boat. So I thought I was winning. Wow. So when I decided that I wanted to do something different, the first thing that happened, I had to challenge myself and really confront myself about who I was, who I wasn't, the skill set that I had, the things that were really holding me back and the things that were really my obstacles. Because so often we create things as our enemies and obstacles that aren't our enemies and obstacles. I said the prison guard was my enemy, but the prison guard had nothing to do with me going to prison and nothing to do with when I go home. Wow. I said wow. being black was my enemy was an obstacle, but being black had nothing to do with me not achieving. Being black had nothing to do with me suffering. It was all decision-making. So I had to be really honest about who I was, what I was, and what I wanted. Then wow. once I got that under once I got that under wraps, I was able to pick a destination and I started working towards my dream. And people say you Dre's on his dream. He has, he has a purpose. He's he's has a mission. You can say I have a purpose, but I have I had hope first. And as I was going through my journey to try to get to where I needed to be, other people saw my journey and it inspired them. Wow. And it gave them hope to believe that, you know, something that I can get a purpose too. And yeah. it just started becoming infectious yeah. of me yeah. helping people without even speaking to them directly. My presence and, and actions gave people liberation to be a better version of themselves. And when I came, when I finally made it out of prison, my goal was like, hey, man, let me go achieve my goal. But I realized in route to my purpose and my goal that I was helping other people get free. So I said, and, and the joy that it brought me to see somebody who had given up on life, tap back in, get a dream and a goal and go for it. I was like, well, that's like, that's like an adrenaline rush. So I started right. saying, hey, I want to help more people do this. So I started helping people come home from prison and get their attitudes right. And I started with prison. I started with young black boys because that's where I was comfortable. Then I started working with girls. I started working with Spanish kids. I started working with white kids, but it was all around kids who were in juvenile justice and alternative schools. Then somebody said, Hey, Andre, can you help these white kids? who have drug addictions. I'm like, I don't know about being white or being a, having an addict. And he said, but it's just, it's motivation. You, you motivate people. Your story motivates people. I didn't see the value of my story with another demographic other than black people. Well, because I had a limited view of who I was and what I, I had grown, yeah. but I didn't grow in all spaces. So I started going, I went to a white school and the kids loved me. I was like, that's crazy. They're like, listen, a story is a story. Wow. And the craziest thing, I, you don't realize that you narrowed yourself off until you look back. My, yeah. If you said, Andre, who's one of your favorite actors? I would say Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks had the coolest movies that I liked. <laughs> you know what I'm I like Big. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Tom Hanks was my guy. Road to Perdition. I yeah. can, you know what I'm saying? League of Their Own. Tom Hanks was my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I love Denzel. Um, there wasn't a lot of black, black, big actors. Will Smith wasn't out yet. In the rebuttal, but so it was like, I've always feel self-conscious of saying, well, I got a white guy for my favorite actor. Why is not a black guy? <laughs> Well, I liked his movies. Denzel didn't have out uh, Equalizer at the time. Okay. In training day. It was before <laughs> Equalizing Training Day. So it was like, but why can't I like who I like? Yeah. So yeah. if he can impact me, and then why can I impact others?
Mm-hmm. You we mm-hmm. put su- subconscious limitations on ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. not even aware of it. I'm like, I like what I like, and that's it. I like playing the That's it. I like soft rock music growing up in the hip hop world. I'm saying I used to listen to soft rock. So the craziest thing, movie yeah. came out, Bohemian Rhapsody, about this being band called Queen. Mm. Like Dre, I'm like, I'm not watching that. It's stupid. It's a bunch of white rock musicians. I don't know them. <laughs> then somebody's watching the movie in the next room. And I'm in the next room and I'm hearing the songs. I knew every song that they played yeah. during that yeah. movie. I'm like, how do I know these songs? I listened to Soft Rock as a kid, and I knew the songs. Just never knew the name of the band. I've just listened to what you said there. There's a whole lot of things. The bit you said earlier, you know, this thing about your story motivates people, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you look like. It's the story that motivates them, and they connected to that story. And I think that's it. If I look back to what I heard you talk about when we were in that conference room in Dallas last year, it was the story that connected. But there was also something else about that story. It was the presence of the man in front of me. And I think that's the key bit as well. You talk about you know, Tom Hanks. There's a presence of that man as well. And I think that's what I saw in you at that stage. But what I'm hearing from you is when you were a young kid, you didn't see that in yourself. No. So There's what- nobody telling me, Andre, you're great, you're special, you're different. Um, it was just like, you're just average. Yeah. So what changed? What was it? What was the thing that changed in you that said, I can go and do something different here. Because I, I always talk about you can take the right road or the left road. And at some stage, you made a choice in life and you took one road and then you decided to make a different choice. So how, how did you make that choice and what, what, what changed for you? This is the thing I teach people. You get to pick your own rock bottom. You do not have to be mangled at the bottom of a hill, all stressed out, half dead to say, I hit rock bottom. You get to decide your own rock bottom. And I, once I realized that, I'm waiting for like rock bottom. I can't bounce back till I hit rock bottom. Well, I'm still healthy. I'm feeling good. This isn't rock bottom. I'm standing up straight. This isn't rock bottom. I'm cognizant. Of my, I'm waiting to hit rock bottom. And in yeah. my mind, rock bottom is I'm mangled in like a car wreck. I'm shot up or something crazy. And I was like, no, rock bottom, when I say is rock bottom, I had enough. All rock bottom yeah. is, is I had enough. So you realize you had enough and something changed you. So you realize that to make a difference. So you, you hit that rock bottom place. You realize actually it's only you could pick yourself up from whatever rock bottom was. And you realize actually you had to do something different. Yeah, I could do rock bottom today or I could wait another six months and do rock bottom then. There was wow. a lesson. I used to work in a prison laundry. It was years before. And we saw smoke cigarettes and run around. And one day, me and a couple of guys got together. It was a Friday, and New Year's was on Monday. We said, we're going to quit smoking on New Year's. We're like, all right, cool. Everybody makes it pack. I go to work that Friday, yeah. and my old boss named Bill, he used to be, a, used to be an alcoholic, and he's a recovering alcoholic. He's a dry drunk. Great guy. Love Bill. And I told Bill, because you beat your chest and tell people your New Year's resolution. Bill, I'm quitting smoking on Monday. And Bill said, you're full of shit. I said, huh? He said, yeah. He said, what's the difference between today and Monday? I said, New Year's Eve. He said, who cares about New Year's? What's the difference? He said, the difference is you're giving yourself an excuse to keep smoking for three days. If you're going to quit, quit. And I quit that day and I haven't smoked since. Wow. I think that was 1990 or something. That's amazing. He he got in my face and said, listen, explain to me the difference between today and Monday, and I'll agree to what you're saying. If you can't explain the difference, then you're full of shit and you're just making excuses. And you're going to fail because you're setting yourself up to fail by telling yourself there's something special about Monday. 
when the special thing is the decision. It's yeah. not today. Make the yeah. decision. Your rock bottom can be today. Or yeah. your rock bottom can be Monday. Or it can be yeah. next Wednesday. It's when you decide. It's not a day on a calendar. And the key is as well, nobody can tell you when you've hit rock bottom. No one can make that decision for you. So the thing I'm hearing is you decide on that day to quit smoking. And the say you also decide that at some point in your prison journey, actually, you could make a different choice. So you made that different choice and you move forward. Yeah, I said, listen, man, I mean, I did everything you can do in prison. I was a prison gang boss. I did everything you can do in prison. And I said, OK, this isn't working. Mm. I'm still here. <laughs> And, and and one message you told me, and I heard this loud and clear, was you made a choice to learn. You learned law. You learned a whole load of things. That a lot of people have got the opportunity to learn outside of prison, but they still don't learn. That's not a prison thing. I went to the. I decided I wanted to be home and be sick. First, I said I want to be free, and I realized free doesn't work for people in prison because they all get free, they come back. So free doesn't work. So you always have to be clear on the thing that you say you want for your outcome because you just might get it. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. People ask to be free, they get free. Let me tell you what free is. Free is the parking lot. If you're in prison, free is the parking lot. So when you hit the parking lot and you've had no plan beyond the parking lot, your butt's in trouble. So that's why people hit the parking lot. I'm free. What do you do now? I don't know. You go back to what you used to do. You didn't plan beyond free. You thought free came with some kind right. of secondary kick-up kit, and there's no such thing. Wow. So I said free, and I realized free doesn't work. 70, 80% of people get free comeback. So I said, successful. I said, I'll be successful. And then you say, well, where do successful people come from? University. So I said, I'll go home, go to university, and I'll be successful, and I'll never come back to prison. Then I looked in the mirror, and I said, what's inside of me that's stopping this dream from happening? Not the God, not my mom, not the white guys, Spanish guys, black guys, not my gang. What's inside of Andre Norman that's stopping this dream that I've chosen for myself from happening? Then I said, okay, you don't read that well, Dre. I went back to school and got my GED. I said, dude, you're an angry cat. I went to anger management. I said, Dre, you're extremely violent. <laughs> I doubled up on anger management. And I just, I said, I got people in my family who are addicts. So I went to NA and AA and learned how to deal with those. And I just, every, I just kept adding. I had character issues. Wow. You know I'm saying? I had morality issues. I had all kinds of issues. And I started, I went to counseling. I went to mental health counseling. I went to therapy. I went to, 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 to groups. And I started learning how to show gratitude. I said, Dre, you got patience issues. So I went and worked on my patience. You know how I worked on my patience? I got a basketball team that I managed in jail, a bunch of young, out of control, unruly guys. And they tried my patience every single day. I managed this basketball team for two years. And these guys taught me patience. Oh. I learned how to follow the rules by a baking class. I took a culinary class. And I, I'm so cool, fly, I'm saying on a move, I don't have to follow instructions or follow the rules. I took a baking class and I would bake cakes and they never came out right. They'd come out like rocks. Then the instructor came out to me and said, Dre, uh, why don't you follow the instructions? I don't need the instructions. I'm Dre. He says, no, you might want to follow the instructions. Mm -hmm. Baking is a science project. It's not a cool guy project. So I learned how to follow instructions from my baking class because I wanted the cake to come out and I couldn't get the cake to come out without following instructions. Yeah. So I learned, I took what I had available to me and I made it work for me. Well, wow. there's no angry black man class in prison. So I don't know what your issue is, but it's probably not an angry black bird. Whatever your issue is, no class for that specific thing. So you have to look around you and say, well, how can I make this better? And I started doing that in prison. When I came home, mm -hmm. again, I started working with kids. 
which took me to working with teachers, which took me to working with people at college, which took me to working with the parents of the kids. So now I went to this private school and these kids got just as many problems as we had, but their parents had money. They're like, yo, Dre, how do you help us? So I started helping rich parents learn how to talk to their kids, be present for their kids, communicate with their kids, deal with kids' addictions and depressions. And I, I just thought rich white people had it all together. Well, wow. <laughs> I'm like, why don't they? They own everything. Why ain't they got it all together? And come to find out. Yeah. Being yeah. 15 is hard no matter who you are, what you look like. Yeah. Raising a 15-year-old is hard no matter who you are and what you look like. That's a, such a powerful message, isn't it? Raising a 15-year-old is hard wherever you are, whatever you look like. And being a 15-year-old is hard whatever you look like. That's a key message, isn't it? You know, I've, I've, got, I've got a teenage daughter now and I see teenage friends of hers. And I think you're right. It doesn't matter where you're from. You go through the same issues. And yeah. we, we put it on there as something different. But actually, the bit you mentioned there is, you know, you went through it. You worked with the kids. You worked with the teachers. You worked with the parents. You went to the private school and you realized the same issues were coming up all the way through it. Yeah, the weed's not any better at the private school than on the public. Actually, it's worse. Yeah, yeah. You could just pay more for it. I guess it's so. You, know, you just thing. pay more for it, and that's it. They knew the names of the, the high end liquor because their parents drank it. But mm. um, I went to one place. I ain't gonna say the city. Super rich enclave. And they wanted me to come talk to kids about drugs. So I'm sitting in a room talking to the parents. And I go in the room. There's like 20 kids. I go back. I went back and forth from room to room. The parents are sitting in the kitchen drinking cases of wine. Well, I'm telling their kids, don't drink and do drugs. And I said to them, I said, y'all don't see the problem with this? Oh, we're adults. They should understand that we're adults. I'm like, yeah, they understand what you're adults, but they do what they see, not what they hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a strong message, isn't it? Because this is the thing we have in society today. Kids do what they see, not what they hear. And we have it across, you know, the UK, the US. It's actually the things of what's happening in the world today. And I think this is one of the biggest issues we face. We 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 tell kids to to do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, I took but, my kid shopping. He came to visit. We went shopping a couple months ago. I gave him like four or five hundred bucks. I I forget what I gave him, like six hundred dollars. I put it on his card. I went and sat down. He runs around the mall. That's what kids do. I get beeps on my phone when he buys stuff. So I got two beeps. Bing bing. He spent like $700 at um, Burberry and Louis Vuitton. Well, I'm like, what? But I, I'm, 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 I'm through. I'm irate. I'm like, this dude just spent $300 at, at Burberry and $300, $400 at Louis Vuitton. What is he thinking? And I'm like, I'm like going into my bag about, I'm going to not cuss him out, but he's going to get the business. And I call him like, yo, he had these two little tiny bags for $700. I said, dude, have you lost your mind? Yeah. He said, what are you talking about? I said, dude, how do you go shopping and get two things for 700 bucks? He said, I'm giving them the business. I said, let me see what you bought. He shows me this wallet. He says, I really like this wallet, dad. I'm like, dude, $300 for this wallet? Are you serious? He says, dad, but it's quality. It'll last forever. I'm like, that's true. That's what we're thinking about. <laughs> and it. I said, well, I shifted off the work. I said, well, what's this Louis Vuitton thing? I said, he had some cologne. I said, dude, you spent $295 for cologne? I said, what made you do that? He says, the same cologne you got in your closet, Dad. Yeah. You can't put your hands up. You were guilty as charged. <laughs> he said, this is the same cologne that's in your bathroom. Yeah. yeah. This is the thing, isn't it? We, we, we try and tell, tell kids to do things differently. So when you go into prisons now, 
and you're trying to tell these prisoners who are in there and they're stuck in their constraints of what's in their mind, and they look at you and say, but you did this, Dre. How do you change oh, yeah, that I mindset? Did it better than you. I, tell, I did it better than you. Oh, no, I, I was a way better criminal than you. I was way better gang leader than you. I was way more violent than you. Yes, and it didn't work for me either. So yeah. if I go into a company, if I go into a prison, yeah. I go into somebody's house in the suburbs or the city, I don't worry about who I'm talking to. I'm worried about the demons that I'm talking to. I'm talking to demons. I'm not talking to people. There are demons in this room that are in the space, that are in the way. This is not a religious thing. I just call them demons. Yeah, so yeah. people has this fear of, I'm not good enough. That's a demon. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They have this thing, well, people won't like me. I'm getting bullied. Those are demons. You know what I'm saying? People think, hey, I should drink and smoke. I'm just going to call them demons. You can call them issues, whatever. I'm talking to the issues. I'm not talking to the person. Because if, if you're in pain, mm. your pain overrides anything. If you have a toothache, you can't hear anything. Yeah. So yeah. I remove the pain, then I talk to the person. I don't try to talk to the person first. When yes. I walk into a situation, hey man, what's the problem? What is the pain point? Let me remove your pain point. And then the potential can kick in. Conversation yeah. can kick in. Purpose can kick in. But if you're just talking about purpose, potential, and outcomes, but you haven't removed the pain. They just can't hear you. They're just there listening. They can't hear anything. It's just washing over everything you're saying to them. They're like, you're missing this, like, my arm is dangling off, but you're talking to me about KIPs, yeah. KPIs. Like, yo, my arm's dangling. Let's get my arm stitched back on and I can work about your KPIs. That's a big thing, isn't it? Because I think too often we, we, we forget that what other people are going in and we have to put ourselves in their shoes a bit to say that we understand where you're coming from. So the point is you, could, you can put yourself in, the, in the, the shoes of the prisoner but how do you put yourselves in the shoes of those kids when you're talking to them who are in the schools? Because they, they see Dre, the, 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 the guy standing in front of them. They don't know the history. So how do you get that message across? Because one thing you're very good at, you know, you're, you're a good leader. You said, you know, you're a gang leader. You had that potential. So you're a good leader. What is it you do as a leader to communicate that message? When I walk into a room, if it's kid, high school kids, white kids in the suburbs, and I walk in, I can say, okay, these kids are 15 to 18. They live in the suburbs. What are their baseline issues? One, there's alcohol here. Two, there's drugs here. Three, there's pressure to succeed here. Four, they might have parents who aren't really tied in or tapped into them. Five, they're dealing with divorce. Six, you're saying they didn't make the football team. So these are the issues the kids are facing. Yeah. Then when I come in, I speak to their issues. Yeah, okay. I speak to the things that they're facing. So if I walk into your business and like, I can say, hey, that's a nice building. That's a nice wall. Like, Andre, how do you understand? It's a advertising agency. Right now, everything's negative media. So you're trying to be a reputable company. So the pressure of doing negative media and potting, I'm speaking to your issues. Okay. I walk in, it's construction right now. There's a supply chain issue. The boats are backed up someplace in Greece. You can't get your product. Yeah. Yeah. So I can talk to you about productivity and, and measurements and attitude, but you can't get your product <laughs> because the boats are backed up. So I speak to real world scenarios. How do you fix this yeah. in real time? You yeah. don't talk to the person, you talk to their pain. But for me, it doesn't matter if they're kids, if they're white, black, Spanish, if they're adults, if it's advertising, if, if it's drug dealing, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. What are your pain points? Yeah. If you're a gang member in prison, I'm saying, okay, hey, what is the thing that's going to get you most motivated? Say, hey, dude, you're, you're 
killing the drug game in here. Oh, you're awesome. How would you like to go home? Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> How would you like to go home? Uh, you're married, and you and your wife have been together for 25 years, and you kind of like fell apart, but you're still married, and you got kids. Like, How would you like to be in love again? Mm. I had a guy from London. It was a guy from London. He hired me to come speak at his company. It was a construction company. I was going to come spend four days or five days Monday through Friday, I was going to be with his company, train all these different departments and all that. I, I do a training called Edge. How do you get your edge? You know what I'm saying? How do you get a winner's edge? Um, and, and so I teach this edge training. And they're like, hey, Dre, we want you to come teach the edge training to all the departments. We want our sales team to have the edge. We want our, our leadership team to have edge. We want our mail clerk. We want anybody to have that type of Andre edge. Cool. And we set the call up, the standard, the, the baseline stuff. Everybody calls me on Friday. It's the CEO, the VP, the director. They said, everybody calls and say, hey, Andre, thank you for agreeing to come to London and come to our company. We appreciate it so much. Is there anything we can do for you? Bye, 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 bye. The CEO missed the call. So I did the call with everybody but the CEO. He had another appointment. He calls me on Monday and says, hey, Andre, I'm sorry I missed the call on Friday, but I'm calling and say, hey, thank you for coming. It's the welcome call. It's like the standard, standard stuff we do. Mm. And as we're talking, it's just me and him. He decides to say, you know something, Dre? My wife is not happy. My kids are stressed out. He started, felt compelled to like share me his life. He started sharing his problems, slash issues. And I said, well, um, call him Johnny. Yo, Johnny, you're bringing me to London to come talk to your company. I'm one of the top intervention specialists in the world. I teach Edge and I teach this stuff. Why would you take it to your company, not to your family? He says, yeah. because I run the company, I want the company to be better. I said, which is more important, your family or your business? He said, my family. I said, now why are you taking the top interventionists on planet Earth and sending them to where it's not the most important? As a CEO, you should send me to where it's most important. Yeah. He said, Bring you me. can do that? I said, yeah, I can do that. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll come to your house. I'll stay with you for, for, for the first night, Monday. Then Tuesday, I'll go to the company. He says, okay, cool. So I fly in Sunday. I go yeah. to their house. I go in, I meet the family, son, daughter, wife, dog, and they had a horse farm. They're doing well. And I go in and I connect with the daughter who had extreme problems. Make the connection with the daughter like nobody's ever done before. And it's like, you can, and she lights up, she's coming out of her stuff yeah. and she's making extreme movements. And then he came to me the next day, he said, hey, Dre, how about you stay another day? So Tuesday, the son and the daughter had beef for a lot of reasons. They weren't getting along, which was causing stress in the house. So I got th Tuesday, it was me and a son and daughter. He came to me Tuesday and I, hey, Dre, how about you yeah. stay another day? Then I worked on the wife and the wife had beef with him because it was about the kid. It was the whole cycle. And then I spent Wednesday with the wife. Me and her hung out. Then Thursday, the whole family. I did not go to that man's company until the last hour on Friday. Wow. I did a walkthrough and a wave. But the problem was solved at home, not in the business, because that's where the problem started. People hide out in their businesses. Yeah, yeah. And interesting, isn't it? Because I think this is the thing, isn't it? That a lot of people, we always talk, you know, we use the phrase, the fish rots from the head down, because most businesses, if they're head of the business, it causes the problem. But actually what you're saying there is, this was the man's personal life was the problem. And it was leaking into his business. Everything he was 100%. doing. Was... You want me to fix your business, but you really wanted me to fix your life, but you didn't know you could ask for that. Did he even know there was a problem there? Oh, he knew there was a problem at home. He just didn't have anybody to turn to. Yeah, okay. He didn't know how to ask for help, which is the difference when somebody's an addict, somebody's depressed, somebody's a battered wife, 
somebody's whatever that people don't know how to ask for help. Yeah. They don't think, well, I'm rich. I'm white. I'm this. How can I ask for help? Yeah. I should have it all together because money doesn't make it together. Money just means you're suffering a bigger house. Yeah. Or you're suffering a bigger offers. So you are allowed to ask for help. Everybody's everybody listening to this podcast right now is going through something. You're lying if you're saying you ain't going through nothing. You're not human. You're dead. You're a your Manchurian project. If you ain't going through nothing, you're lying. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're going to sit on this, listen to this podcast, looking at the radio, talking about, he says, I'm going through something. He's wrong. You're lying. I don't know if it's your kids. I don't know if it's your spouse. I don't know if it's your company. I don't know if it's internal. I don't know if it's with God. You're going through something. I don't know if it's your relatives. You're going, everybody, that's what life is about. You go through stuff. I got a toothache today. So it might not be something catastrophic. I'm going to the dentist today. I'm on meds right now because my tooth is killing me. I'm going through something and I want that fixed. Your message is key. We're all going through something. But what you just said there as well is key. We're all allowed to ask for help, but nobody does. Often people people, people get stuck in, they can't ask for hope for whatever the problem is. There, now it's ego. Now it's pride. Now it's, am I going to look weak? Um, as a gang leader, I can never look weak. So, so, so the key is that, you know, People get stuck in their ways, don't they? They have their ego. They have their pride in the way. They don't realize they're going ask for help. What happens is your success becomes a thing that traps you. you. Your success is what traps you. You're the CEO. How do you ask for help? You're the vice president. How do you ask? You're supposed to know this stuff. Yeah. You're supposed to. Who says you're supposed to know this stuff? But, but there's a key here as well in it, parallel, you know, being a prisoner in the prison, in the, in the system, in the penitentiary system as well. It's their success at doing what they've done that's got them where they are because they, you know, whether they're a good guy or the bad guy, it's still a problem in terms of they don't ask for help or they don't know how to ask for help. So you reach the top of that gang in the same way you reach the top of the company and something stops you going out to ask for help of how do I change my life? Because you don't realize that's the problem. I don't ask for help as a gang leader because I believe it's a sign of weakness and it's an opportunity for people to knock me off my pedestal and take my place. So if you're the CEO of a company, and your kid's out of control, and you yeah. ask, oh, you can't control his own kid. How does that mean? How's he going to run his company? Or his him and his wife aren't getting You can't manage your own wife. How do you manage this company? Or you can't fix that problem. How do you manage this? You don't have to know everything. Yeah, yeah. You can't have the answers to everything. If you do, you, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're entity now. You're saying, so we don't, we're not going to, you're, you're a man on planet. You're a woman on planet. You're not an entity. Yeah. So people don't have answers for everything. It, it comes down to ego. Like, um, I don't want to expose myself for being weak. But it's yeah. not being weak. It's just, you just don't know. You don't know it's not weak. It's interesting. This this word hope, I think, is interesting as well, isn't it? Because, because what you do is you give people hope, you know, through your Academy of Hope work as well. You go and give people hope when they don't know they're lost sometimes. People have gotten into situations and they believe that they've made the right decisions for their life. So we look at the criminal and says, why is he doing that? He thinks that he's winning. He's in jail. You look at the addict. They get up every day. How do you get high every single day? They That's what they believe is a win. Some people are workaholics. Yeah. We excuse workaholism. Oh, that's okay. You can be a workaholic. So I can be a drug addict and abandon my family, abandon my responsibilities, not participate in life, and able to look down on me. 
I become a CEO, abandon my family, <laughs> don't help anybody, and I'm fine. Oh, he, he's an upstanding member of the community. I met a guy one time, yeah. super successful doctor, ran a, ran a practice. He says, Andre, every day I get off the, I get off the airport and I drive home, and the, or they, they drive me home. I have to drive through, through the poor people. I see the homeless people. He says, I feel so bad because I have so much money and I do nothing for these people. So every time I come home from the airport, that 20-minute ride is the worst ride of my life. He says, I damn near want to buy a helicopter so I ain't got to go through these areas anymore. Because every time I see these people, it reminds me of what I'm not doing for the world. He, he go on a business trip, make a ton of deals, ton of stuff. Then he'd come home, get in the car, and have to drive home. And every time he drives home, he has to drive by real people, people struggling. Wow. And he just felt compelled. He says, I'm doing 100% of nothing for these people. I'm not even making an attempt to do anything for these people. And I call myself a doctor. Mm. So where does my Hippocratic oath kick in? Yeah. Is yeah. it only my patients or my patients a doctor to the world? And he, it messed him up for years. Because unless you can realize what you can do differently, isn't it? And I think that this is a problem a lot of people face. Whenever you walk past a homeless person, whether you walk past someone on the street, you have a choice to do something about it. You see them. You see that person. And you see yourself, because now you're going to say, well, what am I going to do about this? Am I going to do anything? Yeah. See, yeah. this is what my belief is. Nobody needs to ask you for anything. You knowing is to ask. How many times do we buy stuff for our kid that we know they wanted without them asking? Yeah. yeah. Why did we buy it? Because we know they wanted it. Us knowing they wanted it was to ask. Yeah. We took the kid to ice cream. We took him to McDonald's. We took him to the park. Surprise. The surprise is... I know what you wanted, so I went ahead and did it for you without you physically asking. So we see people in the world suffering. When we yeah. see the suffering, they made the ask. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because that suffering comes back to your business owner who's suffering but not willing to ask, not knowing how to ask, and, and, the, and the, the person on the street not able to ask. And sometimes when you do those people a favor, then you see the smile on their face when you realize, actually, you've made their day, they're giving them something small, but it's changed their life in some way for that few minutes. hundred percent. Listen, you never know what one kind act can do. I had one GED teacher who I told I wanted to go to Harvard. She said, that's a great idea, Andre. That's phenomenal. Go for it. Well, she could have said, that's dumb. Get your GED, go community college, get a GED, go work in a home, go work at a factory. She said, yeah, that's a, just being, she didn't do, she didn't lift me up. She didn't adopt me. She didn't pay for my lawyer. She just said, Trey, that's a great idea keep going. Yeah. And that's what I needed to keep going was this yeah. re-encouragement. Yeah. What was that worth? Priceless. You could have got me a full paid scholarship. You could have got me a bus of condo. I needed encouragement yeah. and encouragement doesn't cost money. So it's not always, I got to buy this guy an apartment or a car or a new wardrobe. Can you just be encouraging? Encouraging doesn't cost money. It costs character. And, and, and this is interesting because this character, this encouragement. So, so a lot of people you work with in your career now, it is about encouragement, but it's about giving people that, that view that they can make a difference, that they can change, that they don't have to continue the path they've been on the way through. They can take a different direction. And you, sometimes if you're listening to this podcast and you're on a path and you know, forget what other people know, forget what your wife or husband knows, forget what your kids know, forget what your VP knows. If you know, your life's not on track to where you need to be, give me a call. Yeah. It's that simple. Give me yeah. a call. 
I'm saying it's called imposter syndrome. You're living a life that people told you you should live, even though you're not happy with it. And I say, don't live that life. This is for me. Yeah. This is in my, it's in my edge training. It's a thing called tombstone. Okay. Tombstone training is when you die, they're going to put you in the ground. They're going to have a service. They're going to put a stone on top of you. And that stone is going to say, when you were born, when you died in your name, there's going to be three things they write on that stone. It's generally three things. Yeah. And for me, mine's are going to say Harvard fellow because I did that. I'm a Harvard fellow. Wow. Second, it's going to say honorable son. I've gone to my parents. I've done crazy stuff for them above beyond just showing up for, for Mother's Day and Father's Day. Then it's going to say freed people. I used to want to free prisoners. Now I just free people from addiction, from bad situations, from being stuck in rest. I free people. Those are the three things that are going to be on my tombstone. Harvard wow. fellow, honorable son, freed people. I ask your audience, what's going to be on yours? And I say that because you can look at my life and say, well, is Andre living up to the three things that's going on in his tombstone? My tombstone's not going to say what kind of car I had. My tombstone's not going to say where I went on vacation. My tombstone's not going to say where my son went to college. My tombstone's not going to say what kind of microphone I use. My yeah. tombstone's going to say, honorable, Harvard fellow, honorable son, freed people. So right now, this discussion, yeah. what am I talking about? Freeing people from yeah. whatever kind of personal torment. Where was I the other day? I was at a prison trying to help people get free from physical torment. Where was I the day before? I was with a group of kids out in Phoenix doing a training for them. When I was down with you in Dallas, I had a room full of people. I was trying to help get free. My life mirrors what's going on my tombstone. Mm, then I write something it. on it that's not real. I love that. There's nothing worse and having the stuff inscribed on your tombstone not be real. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that Harvard fellow, honorable person, free people. And at the end of the day, it's the free people is what you do, but you bring your being to that as well. But no, the thing is, you can look at my life any day of the week and merit against those three things. Am I worthy today of being a Harvard fellow? Am I carrying myself in a way that, you know, that's a Harvard fellow status right there. Am I still being an honorable son? Yeah. Am I trying to free somebody? So when you look at my look, when you put your three things down, now look at your life. Does your life coincide and line up with the three things that you've written down? Yeah. Most people's don't. And I think the thing is, you can go out of your way to create the life you want. Because I think on that tombstone, it has three things as well. I think it has the date you were born, the date you die, and in the middle of the dash, and there's a great poem written about the dash. And I think what you've said to me there, it's the dash that makes the difference. It's the bit between those start points and that end point is where you've brought your world to be. And you've changed people's lives, whether it's freeing people or being an honorable son or being a Harvard fellow. It's actually the difference you've made in that gap between start and finish that you're remembered for. The, the dash is the three things. Yeah. But is your dash lining up with your life? What is the thing that you always wanted to do? Many of us aren't living what we're doing now based on what we dreamed as kids. What was your dream as a kid? What what really matters to you? Are you into science, math, athletics? Are you into travel? Are you into to animals? What are you in? What makes you happy? Stop living somebody else's life. I do what every single day. I do what makes me happy. Yeah. Every single day, I'm on vacation. This ain't work. I'm living my life. My I'm living my life. I'm happy seven days a week because Andre gets to do what Andre wants to do. And the key is you made a decision at some stage to do that. And I think you know, as we come towards the end of this podcast, I think that's the message that listeners need to go away with. 
you're living the life that you chose to live now. You you made a choice, you're doing something different and actually realize those three things are what make you you. So you're doing that. You're living the way you want to be living. Oh, listen, I could do this for the next 50, 60 years and be cool because it's the life that I really love. It's what I chose. It lines up with who I am as a person. It actually lines up with what I was doing as a kid. Yeah. So uh, as a kid, I used to ride the buses and trains all over the city. Now I fly planes and jets all over the world. I used to talk to people all over the place. And now I'm talking to people. I'm doing now what I did as a kid. The things I loved as a kid, I get to do as an adult. Yeah. And I just say to people who are listening, you got one life. You got one shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't get to do this again. It's not too late. I'm saying it's not too late. I walked away from somebody called me the other last year. They tried to give me a contract. They said, hey, Dre, we're going to give you this. Con it was $84 million. It was an eight year contract. They wanted me to come run a prison systems um, programming for the whole system. And I was like, no, I want to help people, but not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be locked in a building as somebody's VP doing a thousand hours a week. No, I'm okay. It's so it's not about money. It's about yeah. time. It's about yeah. purpose. So the people who are listening, if you're unsure, if you're not on your purpose, that means you're not on your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like, am I on my purpose? That means you're not. If you have yeah. to wonder, then you're not. Yeah. And if yeah. you're wondering, can I, can I get it right? Can I fix it? Will they accept me? First problem. Will they accept my change? Doesn't worry about the world accepts. Yeah. Yeah. Either will they accept my me being me are people you've put yourself around and projected yourself to be. If you decided right now, and I took you to Malaysia and you yeah. walked in and said, hi, my name is Andre and I'm a motivational speaker. They're going to be like, okay, they're going to receive you just what you say with no questions. Yeah. It's only your current friends that you're scared to grow around. If I took you right yeah. now to Miami, Florida, where you know nobody and you walked yeah. into a room, hey, what do you do? Uh, I'm a psychologist. They're like, okay. There's no pushback. The pushback only comes from the people who yeah. are around you who refuse to allow you to grow. And I'm not going to let you keep me in my yesterday. And that's powerful because that's what you broke out of. So I've got one question for you in that case. On your wall behind you over your trumpet sitting there, as a child, you love playing music and you gave it up because your friends said, that's not what we do. Exactly. You put it down. I presume you've now picked it up again. I don't play again. Playing the trumpet is not easy, but I played all through middle school. I was really good at it. It was a gift. My friends couldn't play, so they encouraged me not to play. Yeah. And I gave up my dream and went with yeah. their dream. So yeah. I was living their life. I wasn't a gangster. I wasn't a tough guy. I was a, I was a musician. I was a nerd. But they said, hey, you got to be over here with us. So I put my dream down. I got in the car with them, and they drove me all kinds of bad places. And I agreed. First thing is I agreed. And finally, I said, um, I don't want to do this anymore. When I said I wanted to go to Harvard, people told me I couldn't go to Harvard. They said, you can't go to Harvard. You can't do this. You're black. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. And the lesson of people telling me the same thing about my trumpet, I didn't hear them telling me I couldn't go to Harvard. What yeah. I heard was people trying to steal my trumpet in the ninth grade. So I went through that experience in the ninth grade to prepare me for the discussion when I was a grown man trying to go live my dream. So. Yeah. If you went into a room full of strangers and told them that you were a philanthropist or you were a homeless help worker or you were whatever you were, nobody's going to challenge it. Only the people that know you will challenge it because they need you to stay in the box that you're in so they can stay in the box that they're in and everything can just be moving along fine. When you change dynamics, it means do they change dynamics? 
Some of my family members were unhappy about me changing my dynamic because it says, well, if Andre can change, what's my excuse? Point you back at me. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at anybody on this call. I'm like, okay, I went from the basement of a prison with a 105-year sentence to working for the White House, the UN London Business School, and a bunch of other people. If I can do that, then what can you do? Wow. You have resources and access, and you're not using them. I did this with no money, with no education, and a jacked-up neighborhood. You have all these resources and you're just making more excuses of why you can't. I wish to God I had somebody who ran a million dollar company that I can call. How many people in that room with us were millionaires? Yeah, it was full of them because they created themselves. Room full of millionaires. 50 to 100 millionaires in the room. I yeah. grew up with 50 to million broke people in the room. So you got millionaires surrounding you. You got wealth surrounding you, but you can't achieve your goal of life. It's not a money thing. It's not an access thing. It's an internal thing. And that's what I, that's, that's what the edge training I do is about. Yeah. Breaking free. So, so if people want, you know, we're in the UK recording this There's people listening across, across the US as well. And in other countries around the world, how would people find you? You know, I, I know to go to andrenorman.com, but if they wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to get in touch? Well, if you're in the UK, I've, I've been going to London since 1984. I went to Richmond university and, um, as a, as a junior in high school, I was an exchange student. My son has lived in London for the last eight years, nine years. He goes to school in Richmond. Oh, wow. And um, <laughs> he graduates this May. Uh, he's been in London. I've been working at London Business School since 2001. So if you're in London, you're going to see me on, on, on the underground or at a cafe. But um, if you wanted to connect to me, um, just send me, just reach out, send me an email. Okay. You go to the website. Um, my, my email is, um, I think it's admin at andrenorman.com. Okay. This send me an email. Hey, if you are, hey, but this is the thing. This be, you don't have to be clear. You just have to be certain. I don't need you to be clear on what you need, but just be certain that I'm the guy that's going to help you. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I went to a situation one time where I was trying to help a guy with his son. And he's like, you're a black ex gang member. I'm a rich white guy in the suburbs. How can you help me help my son? No correlation. And he couldn't figure it out. He said, let's next week, next week, next week. So I finally said, okay. His son OD three days later. Next week never came. I said, wow. don't judge the help. If you get in a car crash today, you don't care what call the emergency room doctor is. You just want a competent doctor. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. I am the emergency room doctor. So don't judge the help. Just show yeah. up and let me do what I do. I've been doing it for 23 years and I haven't lost a patient yet. I grew up in a penitentiary. It was called get it right or die. And I didn't die because I got it right. And I brought that that man that mantra and that that, that attitude home. I'm I'm not gonna I don't quit. I don't lose. Yeah. I don't fold. Um, we win. So yeah. everybody is worthy. Everybody's deserving. Everybody can live the life that they're supposed to live. Yeah. Whatever that is. I just want to see you happy. When I when I when I mentor and coach people, I don't care about other folks i want you to be happy then the world has to adjust to that stop trying to can you make us all happy no try to please everybody please nobody what are you what's gonna make you happy yeah. what's gonna make you fulfilled what's gonna make you and let's go with that yeah it's gonna hurt some people but the hurt is this is the hurt they don't get to have you the way they want you andre that's a really powerful message i just love that at the end of that i want to see you happy and i think that says a lot about you yourself because that's what you're all about it's about helping people change their lives and putting those in place. So, so I really thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for giving us 
45 minutes of your time because I know you know at the end of the day you've got a you've got a busy life which is changing other people's lives. Yeah, but I always tell folks if anybody who's listening is going through something, I'm not just on here because I'm bored. I'm on here because today's the day for you to hear that this help for you. So if you reach out to me, I'm saying if you reach out to my brother, if you reach out to what reach out. I'm saying if it's you, if it's your kid, if it's your spouse, if you want, you know, you have a dream of how to make a difference in the world. Come on, man. My friend Les Brown said, don't take all that stuff to the graveyard. It does no good in the graveyard. Let it loose here on earth. Love it. Love it. Don't take it to the graveyard. Andre, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. There's so many more questions I could have for you. You have to do part two. We'll do a part two. I'm on for that. Okay. But that's brilliant. It's been wonderful. Thank you. There's so many messages in that. So I appreciate it. Andre Norman. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I've enjoyed you recording it. This is just one of the great conversations I've had the privilege of being part of since I started recording the Sparks Baconian podcast. So please go back and listen to some of the others. There's some great content in there for some great contributors. And also, while you're at it, please leave a review of this show with your comments because that helps other people like you find this content. And we want to bring about the change that we really know matters to people. It helps us grow. And also, think about what actions you want to take, because there's no point just listening passively. We want you to pick it up and do something with it. So what are the three key things you want to do? I can't hold you accountable, but if you want to, drop me a note, phil at igniumconsult.com. We're always keen to listen to what you have to say, and actually introduce guests to us that you think will bring relevance to other people. We wish you well. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. Give us a review. Thank you.